The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Super Speedway. Hey, winning's great. Anytime, no matter how long there was in between, uh, the motivation's always there. And to have a group of guys like Billy and so many first-time winners on this crew of the 41 car. I remember winning my first race uh, here at Bristol, and we all got special rings. I'm going to get all the guys rings for their first win. On it, it, It's big. It's a moment, and I've been pushing hard to get those guys to victory lane, and I'm glad I can deliver. Little Kurt Busch after the uh, Bristol night race this weekend. Welcome to Episode 75 of the Super Speedway Podcast, recorded August 22nd, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Young, and I'm joined once again. You're back, James. James Cush on the other yeah. end of the line. How's it going, James? Good, man. I'm just glad that you uh, signed off on my vacation slip uh, and let me go. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was feeling pretty relaxed. And then you had um, an onslaught of guests, and I was kind of worried that I would never come back. Yeah. So here I am. I'm glad I'm, uh, glad I'm back. You're not going anywhere, man. How was vacation? Ah, oh, fantastic. That's good. It was good. Yep, got the batteries recharged and ready to roll. I uh, I listened to the podcast. Actually, I listened to both of the podcasts, so I tried to stay up, uh, stay up to date on things that were going on around here. Nice. Um, with Cone and, and Aaron Bearden, and they, those were fantastic. I hope people go back and listen to those if they haven't had a chance to yet. It was a and, good time. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. You uh, you were killing it when the, on the coverage from Michigan again. I uh, was able to keep up on that as well. So, all good stuff, man. It was, it was a good time at Michigan. Uh, learned some stuff out there, too, and hope to continue doing it next year. This should be it, I think, for races this year, unless some miracle happens and I can get somewhere else. But uh, I was thinking about doing the ARCA race in Berlin this weekend. It's just not in the cards, though. So yeah. I think that's going to be it for me this year. But uh, I plan to do it again next year. So Right on. Lots of good stuff coming. <clears throat> so we had the Bristol Pro Shop. Bis- bah, Bristol. The Bass <laughs> Pro Shops NRA night race this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Cup Series got a, got 500 laps in despite some weather. Uh, started an hour early, which I think was an excellent decision by NASCAR, considering it was pouring after the race. And uh, old Kurt Busch gets the win. I, I got a lot of Bushes in my notes here, but but Kurt's <laughs> the first one this week. So, um, man, I, I mean, just first of all, I guess I don't know where to start with this. I have an order in the show notes, but the order is not the one I want to go with. Because it, <laughs> the whole race just, I mean... James, I don't know how much you – I know you were on vacation, so I don't know how yep, much you got to focus told, on the race. Yep, I got back. Okay, yep. perfect. So it just seemed like every segment of the race was a different person challenging. And you just – I didn't know until the end, even at the end, whether Larson was going to be able to chase him down or not. There was not a point in the race where I really knew who was going to win the race. What did you, what did you think on that? Yeah, it was um, just a wild Bristol. And there were – I thought there were like three guys that really stood out. Um, and if you look at the laps led chart for the race, you, you know, you'll understand why I thought late it was going to be Boyer. I thought, eh, Clint Boyer's going to sneak up and get a third win here. Um, there was a while where I thought it was going to be Blaney and then he got into the wall late. Um, and then Chase Elliott was just consistent. So those were like your three guys. And then all of a sudden towards the end of the race, there's Larson who'd been kind of hawk, you know, stalking all night. And then, you know, Kurt Busch, you know, had kind of things fall his way. Didn't pit a couple of times and got the track position and off he went. It was fantastic. Right. Yeah. I mean, just all, all around. I mean, 
there wasn't much to complain about. And I, I know Jeff, on side by side racing was good. Yeah, was Jeff good. Gluck does his his Twitter poll or whatever the unscientific poll of was it a good race? And this one set a new record. Uh, I think it was over ninety five percent or ninety eight percent or something like that. Yep, I think it was ninety. I think it was ninety five on the nose. Yeah, I think so because Chicago was like ninety four and that was the old record. Yeah, I think. Chicago was up there and uh, Watkins Glen was that's right. Uh, really yeah, high Watkins too. Yep. Really high. Yep, so they're all plus 90. I think they're all above 92, all four, all three of those races. And in a handful of races, all for NBC, so good for those guys. Too. Yeah, I mean, but things are doomed in NASCAR, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gloom and doom. Yeah. Um, so well, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit yeah. uh, later. I I do have some thoughts on the crowd, but <laughs> we don't right. have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about that right now. we got good things to talk about. Right. So let's, I mean, first of all, I think what probably made this race exciting was the same thing that made the race exciting the night before for the Xfinity series. And that was Kyle Busch having trouble. Um, so Kyle spins on, I have in the notes lap one, but it was lap two and spins on his own, basically got into it with uh, Blaney a little bit, spun out in front of the field and gets clobbered a couple times and uh, has to battle his way back through the field. He's three laps down. I thought, I thought he was done the way the front wheel looked. It looked like he was out and, uh, but no, good to go, and and they get the car repaired, and comes back from three laps down to lead the race, and <laughs> probably be the favorite to win the race had it not been for fueling problems that put him back in the pack and caused contact to to take him out of it. But I, I mean, can you? I know we've talked plenty about Kyle and his ability here and everything on this podcast, but it's just another example of what that guy can do. I just thought it was more Rowdy Stenhouse out there. <laughs> Yeah, just you know, involved in. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know he was involved in like what three accidents. He he knocked the 78 out and and a couple others. But that that's neither here nor there. That car was trash. Right. And he uh, did some amazing things with it until late. Um, but he was there. I mean, he was a contender for God's sakes, which is just ridiculous. If you take a look at that at that race car, <laughs> um, it was everything but a modified. Honestly. <laughs> You know, it was all beat to heck. I mean, how often do you see in NASCAR anymore a car that looks like that that's competitive? Yeah, it was destroyed on lap two, that's for sure. Yeah, two, you know, two guys, Kyle Kyle always amazes me with his driving ability. Um, but Kyle Larson really, <laughs> I, you know, I just feel like Larson d- didn't doesn't have the, the car to compete with the SHR guys up right. there. And time and time again, he's muscled his way to a, a, like a whole bunch of second places this year. And uh, those two guys really stood out to me, and Chase Elliott, you know. Um, but, yeah, just three amazing drives, but none none more amazing than Kyle. Yeah, you remind sure. me, I don't have the results pulled up here. Let me pull oh, those yeah. up here real quick so I'm ready. I've just got all my links pulled up for the for the episode and none of the, none oh, of sure, the results. Oh, yeah. sure, All right, just took a second to shut the air off here in the room to try and uh, make it a little less noisy. I don't know how much you guys can hear it, but it, it's driving me crazy. So, um, so yeah, let's let's – Take a look at who performed well. I mean, with the final results, it's kind of interesting to look up front. Joey Logano comes home with a good finish um, on, on Saturday, so good for him to get uh, back Yeah, up led there. a lot of laps, too. Yeah, yep. you mentioned Chase Elliott gets a third place. He was in the running for a while, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 112 laps led on the day, so one of the top guys of the day and able to battle back. I mean, I think he's he had a bad spot on the restart. I think at the end, wasn't it the last restart he was on the inside? And oh, everybody, yeah, everybody wanted to be on the outside. Yeah, everybody was, and and it just, and you could tell every time there was a restart, that inside lane just didn't get going. And I don't know if it was, uh, you know, what was causing the issue, other than you know grip or whatever. But right, 
um, yeah, the outside line at Bristol is definitely preferred. Eric Jones gets a strong top five finish, finishes fifth. Clint Boyer was another one that was strong, had led 120 laps. Ryan yep. Blaney led 121. I mean, just look at the laps led. And yeah, four can, guys really stand out. Yeah, and, and those aren't the guys that won, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, And they weren't the guys we were thinking about at the end, other than Boyer. I think we were we probably were considering Boyer there towards right. the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he just didn't get the restart. And uh, Yeah, Kurt Boyer had it. that inside front row, and just yep. that was it yep. for him. Couldn't hang with Kurt, yep. You had to, if you were going to start on the inside, you had to get to the pedal quick. You had to be to the almost to the pedal before the leader to, right. to get it done. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so interesting mix. Uh, A.J. Elmendinger, Bubba Wallace both have trouble right at the beginning. They're in a, they were in the Kyle Busch crash, um, ended their day on lap two. That's got to be a bummer, at least. Oh, yeah, when you got three, yeah, when you've got 495 <laughs> laps to, to At run. least they, you know, they started an hour earlier so they could get out of there a little quicker and yeah, poor Bubba. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that car, I mean, and you know, Bubba was looking forward to that track. Oh, yeah, definitely. He ran well, well there in, in the yeah. spring. Yep. Uh, Paul Menard has some trouble, finished 36th. I, I know that uh, you'll be very disappointed about that. He just had a birthday, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was this week, and I don't think he smiled. <laughs> oh. um, Martin Trucks Jr., let's talk about him. Uh, ran well. Uh, yeah, ran well during the day for the most part. Was. Ticking along up front, didn't lead any laps, but he was he was in the running, and then uh, Kyle Busch cleaned him out, man. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, Kyle said he what missed by six inches coming up the track, and, yeah. and just hooked him. And then uh, who was in the seven? JJ Yaley uh, came through, and geez, oh man, that was yeah. a big wreck. That's yeah. as big of a wreck as you can get at Bristol, I think. Every you know, without cars going in the air or whatever, but that was a hard hard crash. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Truex had every right in the world to be really ticked off at Kyle Busch, but well, didn't uh, seem Sherry to be. Pollock was yeah. <laughs> Sherry Pollock was mad on Twitter. That's yeah, funny. Sherry had some comments, but Truex stayed pretty calm. I mean, he was upset well, about the accident, I think, but not. There's a there's a gif of Truex going around when he parks the car, and uh-huh. first first he yells at Cole Pern that he's not driving it to the garage. And says you drive it, and then throws the steering wheel, and then he gets out of the <laughs> the gif. The gif is Trex gets out of the car, decides to kick the quarter panel, just like Days of Thunder, <laughs> and then gets about seven steps away from the car and realizes, oh crap, I forgot my hat, <laughs> and then turns around, and <laughs> turns around and puts his hat. It's quite the sequence if you go and uh, and look that one up. It's pretty funny. I had me laughing, uh, had me laughing pretty good when I saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd be frustrated too, but then to have the to have the uh, wherewithal to go back for the hat right to make sure he got his sponsor plugged yeah was it the sponsor plug or was he just did he just have messy hair With i mean that too it doesn't that... matter if you have messy hair when you win the race uh, kurt kurt yeah. wasn't too worried about it but yeah he definitely had uh my favorite was the kurt bush uh pictures side by side with chris farley in time, like, hair <laughs> nice. that was good i saw a couple comparison photos i didn't see that one uh, speaking of gifs of the weekend can we can we talk about gifs of the bristol weekend without gifs the Kyle... gifs yeah gifs well GIF? yeah i to me it's gif it's gifs but i'm saying gifs because the guy who created them says it's gif anyway you can't talk about it without kyle bush's gif from saturday from oh, friday he had two of them he had two of them too it, NAS, NAS, i tell you what nascar twitter was on its game yeah this weekend we got some really high quality stuff uh through nascar twitter with kyle bush and his little thumbs up and uh then he had his post-race interview where he kind of did the face <laughs> so good <laughs> good stuff all around from kyle yeah, I'm sure that Nick Bromberg still found a way to complain about their Jeff. Ah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, the first one. I'm sure he did. There's number one. All right. Um, 
So I, I also, I don't know if you saw Kyle's uh, introduction at Bristol, but the drivers get to introduce themselves during the driver intros. Kyle's was, I don't need no introduction. <laughs> That's off. Good. I thought it was pretty good. good. I like well, him. He introduced himself on lap one. <laughs> yeah. I like him playing the heel role. I really, really do. Um, I, I like when he embraces it. There's plenty of times when he doesn't. I really thought it was interesting to watch, you know, on lap two, all the fans stand up and cheer for Kyle Busch wrecking. And then at the end of the race, all the fans cheering for Kurt for winning. Like, when did Kurt become the good Bush? <laughs> when did that happen? That was a uh, long road. Holy that cow! A... Well, that and that's the Kurt is in the Kurt's in the old man club now. Yeah, that's true. And I, you can't boo driver, an old man. Yeah, once drivers hit the old man club, you can't boo him anymore. Yeah, J- Jimmy someday doesn't get Kyle, booed anymore. Well, yeah, exactly. Someday Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski are going to get in the old man There's man club. No way. I I think so. I don't think when so. Kyle Bush is the la- when Kyle Busch is the last one standing, you'll have no choice. Yeah. Kyle Busch haters. I, I'll believe it when I see it, although Daryl Waltrip got cheers eventually, too. So. Hey, Jeff Gordon got cheered eventually, and you're seeing Jimmy Johnson get cheered now, and I never right. thought we'd see Jimmy Johnson get cheered. When Jimmy Johnson wins his next race, it's going to be loud. Yeah. People are going to oh, be excited. It's, they're going to tear the place down. Yeah. People are going to be excited yep. because they, for whatever reason – Fans have to go back. They right. always have to go back. And, uh, yeah, Johnson, he'll he'll get his at some point. Well, People you mentioned t- that. I mean, he was he was up there at Bristol. Yeah, yeah, he was banging fenders, getting yelled at. He by, finished uh, in top ten, got a ninth-place finish. Who was ticked off at him late in the race? I was that? Uh, was mad. Gosh, was it Chris Busher? Chris Busher. Yeah, I think so. He squeezed Chris Busher, and Chris was not happy. There was a lot of bad tempers. Right. That's the- That was the whole – that was the Kyle Busch cut-down tire to- thing, too, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, all that same so. sequence? Yep. Because I think it was Busher that got into Kyle. Yeah, I think you. I think you're right. I'm looking at the. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. 37 and 18 on lap uh, 483. So late, late in the race. But you brought up a good point. I thought. I think maybe we should transition to it really quick. Yeah. Um, Kyle Busch playing the heel. Mm-hmm. And what comes with that? <laughs> um, you've got it in our notes. A yes. little bit of fan altercation. I, th- I thought that was a good segue to, to just talk about that really quick. Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. Kyle has a run-in with a fan after the race there at Bristol. Um, I won't play the audio here because most of it's bleeped out. But uh, Bristol Motors, yeah, <laughs> Bristol. Well, we were family friendly until the orange cone was on, but that's well, all cone right. Was on. Yeah, cone was on, and we had to put the little e next to our podcast. Yeah. For... <laughs> Got to be careful with him. Um, So Bristol Motor Speedway responded. First of all, I guess what happened is essentially uh, Kyle was coming off the track on a golf cart, and I think he was signing autographs or they were going by. There's there's a full video, which we have in the show notes if you want to check it out. Um, But fans were hollering stuff and whatever, and apparently one of the fans made contact with Kyle, and he's on the back of the golf cart, and he immediately jumps off and gets in the guy's face. Well, they end up making contact again. I think the guy pushes him or something. And Kyle yeah. gets back in his face, and then security comes in and breaks him up, and uh, and Kyle hots back on the golf cart, and they head off. So Bristol yeah. Motor Speedway issues this statement. Our security team has investigated a post-race incident where a guest repeatedly confronted Kyle Busch verbally and physically while he was signing autographs for fans. As Busch then prepared to leave in his golf cart, the individual struck the driver across the chest, and at that time, Busch confronted the individual. The two were separated quickly, and a uniformed officer pulled the individual to the side, allowing Busch to depart. So let's talk about this a little bit. I, we've seen a couple instances in, the, in recent memory, the, the fan after Denny Hamlin last year at Martinsville. Um, I, I mean, is there much to talk about, or is it just fans need to remember that this is they're not part of this? It's they, not. 
Yeah. Well, it's one thing to, to holler something. Yes. It's another yeah. thing to put your hands or try to put your hands on somebody. I think as a fan, there there are rules to being a fan. Right. Just because you you pay money to do to have access and to to go to these events doesn't give you a right to one. I don't think any fan should be screaming any sort of obscenities, swear words, racial slurs, whatever. Right. They you have no right to do that one and two is is physical. You should never ever ever touch an athlete whether they're on the track on the court coming off the field where wherever whatever you have no right to touch another human being just because you paid money to be in that building right it ain't right and um you know with you know bristol morris i hate to have one fan ruin it for everybody mm-hmm. but maybe we need to be a little bit more strict with our with our uh with our drivers yeah we need to maybe give them a little bit more protection because eric that when you were reading that was the first time i th- i thought to myself wow that's actually really scary yeah i i mean i read about the incident i i listened to you know like jeff gluck's podcast and he talked about it i'm like yeah that's no big deal kyle you know whatever kyle handled it got in his face but the, the repeated attempts mm-hmm. to grab him and then hitting him across the chest is just, I mean, that guy could have had, you know, maybe not a, you know, not, not a gun. I don't want to go too extreme, but he right. could, he could have like a, you know, some sort of an object or he whatever. Do or, a lot of damage without an yeah. object, you know, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, sure. I mean, off the cart or something. Yeah. These, these drivers are not signing up for this. They're, that's not part of the deal. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to be all high and mighty that I've got a press pass now and I get this access. But as somebody, as a media member, it it does amaze me at how many fans, how many just regular people are have the same access that I have as a media member at the track. I mean, you look on the grid during pre-race and I mean, these guys are getting in their cars to go do battle for three hours in, you know, heat and at these speeds and and you got just fans everywhere crowding around them. And, you know, even yeah. as they're walking to the cars, they're signing autographs, they're having people holler things at them. And you, I mean, tell me what, when was the last time you went to a basketball game where you got to have autographs from the players as they're leaving the field, you know, or leaving the court? Yeah. You know, after it doesn't, a game, never. NFL, never. it doesn't happen. They run off never. the field. You don't get autographs afterwards. And these guys have the opportunity to do that. And I'm not saying that the, that the access should be taken away. But I'm saying that these fans need to not – one fan's going to ruin it for everybody. I tell you what. Well, NASCAR has made great strides in safety right? Uh, on the track. Now it's time to take a look at safety all over the track. Yeah. Because this is a safety issue. It's right. not a It's not a car crashing into a wall and, and somebody getting hurt. This is, a, this is something totally different. But it, none, nonetheless, if you are touting your safety of your sport – this is something that needs to be considered. I think NASCAR should take a, I think don't wait, start now right. and take a serious look at how, what your what kind of access you're granting these fans and these tracks need to do the same. They need to work together. Yeah, it's tough. And at the same boat though, you've got a bunch of fans that are already feeling alienated by the sport and you take their access away that right. they've always had. Yep. They're going to feel yep. more and yep. I don't know, but you're right. I mean, we can't uh, wait for something to happen. It, it needs to be no. fixed before it happens. No, we don't need the, we don't need you know, sorry to be so blunt, but we don't need the Dale Earnhardt of off-track incidents right. to happen. We need to nip it now and be done with it. Yeah. Whatever that means. Um, but we got to keep the driver safe, and we got to keep not only the driver safe, but we need to keep the crews safe. 
you know, there's a lot of guys walking around. You know, people don't like Kyle Busch and, and a crew member is walking around in an Eminem shirt. Right. He's susceptible too. You know, you got to think about that stuff. Well, I, I hate to be too extreme about it, but it's the truth. One thing I'll say too is, and this is related to this sort of, is that to the fans out there who want to meet these drivers, who want to get an autograph, who want to be close to these drivers. I know for many years I went to the track and I sat in the stands. I, I came to the track. I got, went to my seat, sat in the stands. Sometimes there might be an appearance at like a local store or there might be, you know, they might be doing a signing in the hauler and you go to those things and there's a million people there. There's this gigantic line and it's just not worth the effort to try and deal with it. Or you'd go see them at an appearance and, you know, they'd talk for 30 seconds and they'd run off and they wouldn't sign any autographs and maybe you could get close to them and that's it. If you know what you're doing at a track you can get super close to these guys. You can get, I mean, Michigan is a perfect example, but every track I was at this year, all you need is a pit pass and you can buy a pit pass. And if you're at the right places at the right time, which I'll give you a little piece of advice, the best place to be, if you can get to a fan zone or the, the pits or however the pass is worded at that particular track, go to the red carpet. Most of these tracks do a red carpet to the driver's meeting. The drivers come out on their way to the driver's meeting. They sign autographs all the way along there. You get yourself there early, you get on that railing, and you can meet every single driver in the field as they come by you. Um, you know, and that's you, that's what I'm what we're talking about here is these fans have this access, and I mean, take advantage of it now before it goes away because stuff like this yeah. is gonna gonna end it. So, yep, we're gonna have one more of these incidents, and who knows? I right. don't know. I, I hate to see the next one coming, but hopefully something gets done. Yep, I agree. A uh, little bit more on the race before we head on to other things. Um, first of all. We had an excellent race at Bristol. This is the second excellent race we had at Bristol this year. I don't personally remember a whole lot about April at this point. Now, or yeah, it was April. Yeah, um, it was but I do remember I it was that. a good race. Yes. And we yep. were excited about it afterwards. So, do we? I mean, do we have the old Bristol back? Have they? Have they at least created something that is worthy of the excitement that Bristol used to bring? What do? What do we think on this? Where does this stand in the, you know, the history of Bristol? I guess. I I feel like we've talked about this a little bit. We probably before. did in April, actually. <laughs> I think, yeah, well, I know, but I'm I'm trying to recall what I've said in the past. But you don't want to contradict yourself. Well, here's what I think today. Okay. I guess moving forward, um, they it's not the old Bristol. No. It's good. It's good. But I think if NASCAR were to announce, hey guys, we're redoing everything. We're going back to the 36 degree banking, one lane. I think NASCAR fans would freak out. I think they'd be yeah. so ecstatic to know that the old Bristol is coming back, but it's not. Right. Um, I, the whole sport's different now. It's not the same as it was. You know, the Bristol Night Race is not the the uh, sold out show that it used to be. Right. Uh, and I don't know if it ever will be again. But not um, as long as there's that many seats in that place. Exactly. And, and if but if you're a fan of NASCAR racing, this is this is NASCAR racing at its purest form. Right. This is it short track Saturday night under the lights. It's, it's as good as it gets right now. And every time it's on, we got to soak it in. Well, I'll tell you what, back in the, you know, the early two thousands, you couldn't get a ticket to Bristol. Um, yep. you couldn't even get, they didn't even have a waiting list because there was no point in having one. By the time people were called on the waiting list, they would usually have moved or passed away. So they didn't keep one. Yeah. It's like the green Bay Packers, uh, Lambeau field season tickets. Right. Like there's, there's a waiting list for, 20 years on that thing and now you look at it and they if if you're yes. privy to what they're doing you can see that they've a taken sections out and created fan zones 
They've be hung banners underneath the suites to eliminate like multi multiple rows of seats at the top of the grandstands that you don't see that are still there that they don't fill. And the place is still not even close to sold out. So you could get a ticket to it no matter what. And I'll tell you what, my desire to go to Bristol and watch a race at Bristol is no different than it was in the 2000s when I couldn't get a seat. Yeah. And, and because of that, I'm going to do everything in my power to be there next year for this race. Yeah. But it'd be great. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the diehards, it's still, it's still the race it used to be. It's not oh, yeah, the, the level yeah. that it used to be. It's still a spectacle, but not, and, yeah. and, you know, you talk about if they, if they, if they announced they were tearing the track up and putting the old track back in, the problem is too, is that they can't put the old track back in. Yeah. It's not happening because the old track was also beat to crap. It was worn down. There were, there was yep. wires showing through the track from the, you know, when they lay the concrete down, yep. that type of character is what creates that racing too. And, the cars are different. Everything's different. You're just not going to get that back. And I think what we've got now at Bristol works. Pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. good. You got a good and I, and you know honestly there might there were times at Bristol where there were too many wrecks. And I'm, oh, sure. I'm a person yeah. who likes some wrecks, but there were too many in the past. And so in some races. And now it's nice we get some green flag runs. You know the stages I think add to it. Even though Brian Keselowski doesn't agree. And uh, <laughs> that's two. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Brian Kozlowski responded to me on Twitter today and he yeah, does not follow, agree. Uh, <laughs> follow Eric on Twitter. If you want to know where these inside jokes are coming from tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll say. Um, but, uh, but they, they've created a side-by-side racing that we can do there, but you still, it's still tough to pass the bump and run still there. I think, I think we've got the best of what, first of all, we got the best we're going to get at Bristol. And I think we've got the best of the new Bristol and the old Bristol combined yeah. to create the current Bristol. And I think it's an acceptable package. Yeah. I, th- I will say this. Um, I've gotten over seats, not being full. Yeah. For, for I, don't any, even care. I, I don't even care anymore. Sport. Yeah. But there, there is one place where it, it still, it bothers me yeah. and seeing what I saw this weekend bothered me. It just, it just did. And I know it's not, it's not the end of the world. Right. I mean, there's still probably, there was probably what 80,000 people there. Maybe, yeah. maybe something like that. I mean, that's a that's a pretty dang good show. It's just we live in a different world, and and we get that. I think you and I get that probably better than better than most. Um, but just thinking about what that place was, um, I, it's just it's crazy to to not see a full night race at Bristol. It's still it's still in the back of my mind. Just bothers me. It's the one track where I think um, not seeing full grandstand still is is like a craw for me. Right. Now I will yeah. say they were talking about threatening weather. Sure. Yeah. From about Tuesday to Wednesday on, but yep. that didn't affect. I mean, it, it affected it some, but not to the level you would have still noticed significant a significant number of empty seats. I'm really of the mindset. And I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast or not, but I've talked about it personally quite a bit. I really, honestly, like the smaller crowds. You oh, know, me as, too. As a I fan love- going on the track, I don't have to yeah. deal with that many people. There were too many people at the track. Yeah. You know, in, in the mid 2000s, but. And as a matter of fact, that was part of the reason I stopped going because it was such a pain to deal with all the people. Oh, yeah, going to MIS was terrible in yeah. the mid two thousands when there was one hundred thirty thousand people. Oh, yeah, it was you know, it was it awful. No, and, I, it was and I, I'm not happy with what it's caused, and you know that's it's put the the sport in, you know, in a struggle because all that money was coming in and now it's not. So right. that's disappointing to me. But I personally, I mean, I choose. We have county fairs up here, and I choose the crappy county fair down the road because it's there's less people there than the one that yeah. you know that there's yeah. a ton of that that's the best fair you know so yeah um i don't i don't 
don't yeah, I don't mind a smaller crowd. I, I don't. I don't. I just I think about and, and you know, Bristol hosted that college football game a couple of years back right. that uh, ten, Tennessee and um, I think it was Virginia Tech. Um, neither here nor there. But when that, I watched that on TV and I thought, my God, there there she is. You know, yeah. there, you know, there's the old Bristol. There's I mean, that place was absolutely cram packed. Yeah. Um, it just it brought back good memories, you know. You know Dale Earnhardt and Bobby or and, and uh, Terry Labonte and you know all the great Bristol Night races from the past. It's just it's just different, and you know that takes getting used to. But you know, like I said, it's uh, with Bristol, it's still the one place where I, I kind of feel like maybe it's like sacred ground. Right. And uh, to see it to see that sacred ground different is it's just hurt. It just hurts a little bit. I'll say That's one a- more thing on the crowd sizes to those people. Those diehard NASCAR fans that are in one breath complaining about the smaller crowds and in the other breath complaining about we don't have enough short tracks, we need to go back to short tracks, pick an (laughs) argument because the smaller the crowds get, the better chance is that you're going back to those short tracks. Yeah, Because if the crowds get small enough to where those tracks can accommodate them easier, then NASCAR is going to put a lot more effort into considering that. But now, and I'm going to go on a major tangent. This isn't in the show notes at all here. But I was thinking about this week with the whole, you know, there's all this talk 2020, we need to cut out the second dates at all these tracks and we need to just go to these tracks one time and then we can add some other tracks to schedule and shorten the schedule up. So here's the problem that you don't think about. And, and this comes from, I forget who it was. It might've been the president of Martinsville on a podcast or something talking about Martinsville when it's, when it snowed out and they raced on Monday earlier this year. And he talked about the fact that when, when a race rains out, when a race goes to, goes to the, it goes an extra day. And I talked to some people at MIS about this too. When that happens, these tracks don't have a ton of full-time employees. These, right. the, these, this, these tracks are open for these weekends. All those people that work the concession stands, all the people that work the ticket gates, all that stuff, they've got a job on Monday to go to. So when your race rains out and it moves to the next day. Now those people aren't there. You have to struggle to get those people there. So the other thing to think about is that these tracks, let's take Michigan. For example, Michigan has a number of events they do do throughout the year, but their two big events are the two cup weekends. So let's say each of those cup weekends accounts for a third of their revenue. And then the extra events they do accounts for the other third. I'm not saying this based on any knowledge whatsoever. This is just, I'm just breaking it down and making it simple. If you take out one of those weekends, you've now removed a third of the revenue of that track. Right. What's that track going to do? Can these tracks survive to pay these people that need to run these tracks to do this stuff, to keep the upkeep, to do what they need to do? It's not just as simple as, okay, well, sorry, you don't get a date. You're affecting the lives of people. You're affecting an entire business in that decision. So it's not just as easy as, Nope. You just get one date and that's it. There's yeah. a lot more to think about it. And that's the side that people don't give NASCAR credit for that. They have to work on that too. They can't just abandon these guys. Yep. And it's the big TV contracts that are signed as well, which right. were the, and people may not know this, but racetracks get the most of their money, not from your ticket, but they get it from that TV, that TV money. That's where right. the big bucks are coming in. I think we really need to take, um, go ahead. If you take, Oh, I'm sorry. You uh, you had cut out there. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that I think we need to get over the whole there's there's a chance that we're going to see some changes with cup dates. There may be a track yep. added here or there or whatever, but I think we need to get over this this dream 
of these gigantic changes in cup. I think those changes come at the lower levels. Those changes come at the truck series where the sanction fees and the, and the money is not at the same level and it's easier for a date to move and not affect these big tracks. So I think maybe you see some moves in the truck series. You may see some moves in the Xfinity series that could maybe build for a move five, ten years down the road in the cup series as well. But it's not, I'm sorry, 2020 is not that far away. It's not going to change overnight like people want it to. It's just not. We right. need to stop with that pipe dream because we're just going to be disappointed in 2020 when it doesn't happen. Right. I will say this just to maybe play a little bit of devil's advocate with you. Yeah. Um, but I am on the Jeff Gluck bandwagon of more short tracks oh me too and i think nascar fans don't don't quit that don't quit beating that drum no keep no. keep beating that drum i it, it just and, and, like, and like you said eric i totally agree with you it's going to take a long time but if we keep saying and, and us diehard fans keep saying we want more short tracks we want more short tracks eventually uh, you know it could be five years down the road whatever that is eventually i think we can get there yeah um the fans of nascar have a ton of power and the drivers want it too so if we can keep you know, stay consistent on it. Um, I think maybe someday we can make these, some of these things happen, but I, I totally agree with your point. I just, I just wanted to emphasize that. Well, I, I hope that we get to, to the more short tracks here soon. Here's the other thing. If you want more short tracks, then, then show NASCAR. Go to your local track. Yeah. Well, not, not even that truck series, Xfinity series run at Iowa. We don't sell yeah, that place out. You know, yep. people aren't yep. showing up for those races. If you're not showing up for those races, they're not going to bring the cup series there. I'll even go as far as to say Eldora. The weekend before Eldora, they run the King's Royal, and they put 30,000 people into that place, 25,000 people. And then they run the truck race, and there's 18,000 people. And I know that's still a lot of people, but it's not. It's not filling the place. If you really want to show NASCAR that you want a cup race at Eldora, get to the truck race and support that race. Make it to where you can't get a ticket to that place. And then NASCAR is going to go, oh, maybe we got something here for the bigger series, but... If you're not filling yep. the stands, if you're not getting people out to the track for the lower series, you're never going to yep. do it for the big series. Oh, yeah. NASCAR NASCAR listened to the fans once. A great example we have is Rockingham. Yeah. NASCAR brought it back. They brought the truck series to Rockingham and yep. gave fans a chance, and the fans never showed up. Exactly. And the fans were the ones screaming about it, <laughs> you know, for forever. We need Rockingham back on the schedule. And NASCAR, NASCAR threw him a bone and said, yeah, yep. we'll bring the trucks. Same thing. And same thing happens to the guy who invests millions of dollars in North Wilkesboro. Yeah, it's just I'm sorry. I love North Wilkesboro. I wish they'd race there again. Um, it's a massive undertaking right now that probably would be more expensive than building a new track. And people just aren't going to show up for it. The only way you're going to get people to show up to North Wilkesboro will be to dig a giant hole underneath the track, lift the sucker up and move it somewhere where there's not a race. Because yep. it's just in an oversaturated area. And yeah, just, it's just not going to happen. And Bristol and. Yeah, Bristol sits in an oversaturated area itself. Yep. Yeah, Bristol and Richmond and Martinsville, they're all kind of clumped together there and a couple others. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on there, but, um, yeah, gosh. So remember when we what said if, this podcast is going to be short this week because – Yeah, no, it's never – We didn't happens. say that in the air. And, and yeah, we got too much good stuff to talk about. <laughs> I'm back, man. I got a lot of things. I, I've <laughs> been gone for two weeks. I got a lot of things to get off my chest. Well, I guess we already ate into the news items, one thing. So let's do one we more thing sure on did. Bristol, though, before we move on to the other yes. stuff. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Kurt Busch gets the win. Yeah, we should talk about Kurt just a little bit. Is he the fourth guy? We keep talking about who the fourth <laughs> guy is. Who is it? Is it Kurt? I'm retiring my fourth guy opinion. <laughs> we don't have one. 
Can I just say we don't have a fourth guy? It's it's the wild card. Every it's week, it's, every week somebody if somebody new wins or somebody new runs well, they're the fourth I will, guy. I will say this though: um, the more wins that Stuart Haas as an organization racks up, the better I like Kevin Harvick's odds. Yeah, Harvick's my pick to win this, the bad boy, and Stuart Haas just shows no weaknesses. They just keep winning. Yeah, I, a, it, it's Harvick's championship to lose. I do agree with you there, but you can't retire your yeah. fourth your fourth guy because there's going to be a fourth guy. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. There could be another third guy. Yeah. My, I firmly believe that we, the big three is not getting to Homestead as the big three. I agree. I, I will, I will take that until it actually happens. I agree. Speaking of which, we got to start thinking about our brackets. We'll be doing those in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We are getting close here down to the nitty gritty. We've got a couple races to go. Yes, we are. All right. Um, yeah, anything else to say about Kurt? I mean, that's that was a good um, performance. It, it yeah, was not a, a dominating win. performance, but a big win yeah. for them to finally get one. And he's been in the news a lot um, about leaving that ride and going elsewhere and this, that, and the other thing. So, um, yeah, just kind of solidifies solidifies him a little bit and the organization. Kurt's always good for a win or two during the season. So we'll see what uh, we'll see if he can bring that forward. I don't I don't expect him to win a whole lot more, but um, that was a good one. That's yeah. a good one. I kind of feel like that's it for him in the in the Stuart Haas car. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm starting to think he's not going to be there next year. I don't think so either. I think the rumors are getting a little bit too, getting a little bit too loud. Yeah, there was a lot of talk last year, but not to this level. So, and not to the point yeah. where we're going to talk about some stuff coming up here. That I don't know. The, the team's shopping around, so I'm thinking it's it's probably yeah. a foregone conclusion so i think so i think they already know so speaking of next year uh we talked to talked a little bit with aaron last week about some of the um some of the silly season stuff and we got some some dominoes started to fall just at least in rides opening up um we haven't seen any moves yet but we did see a couple drivers announce they were heading out uh we kind of do these together i think elliot sadler announces what monday i think it was that he's planning to retire at the end of the season. And then Casey Kane follows it up immediately the day after announcing that he will retire at the end of the season as well. So Elliot Sadler leaving the junior motorsports number one in the Xfinity series, Casey Kane leaving the Levine family racing number 95. Now, both of those are interesting in the whole rumor mill because there's talk of certain drivers moving to those rides. Um, mm -hmm. Casey's is, is very interesting, especially if they sign with Toyota next year and, uh, and that becomes an option. So the, what I was mentioning before about the 41 car is apparently Casey Kane. We have an article on here from motorsport.com that uh, Kane turned down a chance to talk with Stuart Haas for that 44, 41 car. So again, the fact that we're the people they're talking to drivers or, or trying to talk to drivers yeah. leads me to believe that yeah. they don't think Kurt's coming back next year. Yeah. And the fact that Casey Kane um, wouldn't take a meeting is interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know how, what his chances were of even getting that ride. If Stuart Haas was just kind of putting out a feeler. Right. Um, yeah. But I think Casey Kane's burned out. I think he's, I think he it sounds like, I mean, that's the way I'm reading into it. Casey's burned out and for maybe what the salary would be to, to continue for another 36 race schedule. Right would be too, probably too much to handle for him. So kind of what I feel like here is that, uh, you know, this year was kind of a feel out year. I think for Casey, he didn't yep. have to worry about money because he still had the Hendrick money coming in this year. Correct. Yep. And he, he signed a one year contract, give him a chance to do something different or the different team. See if it's, he still got it in him. Yep. And 
has come to the conclusion that he doesn't, and that's yeah. you know good on him. He, he's heading yeah. out and probably oh, you know he's some, not. Yeah, he's gonna race some sprint cars, I'm sure, and do some fun yeah. stuff. And he'll be fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you got to give Casey credit for not just collecting checks. Right. Um, a lot of people have come into the series and just collected checks, and and Casey's as talented as, you know, anybody, you know, mid pack or back. I mean, he's he's definitely a, I guess you could say a top <laughs> top twenty skill set. He hasn't, you know, really hasn't um, performed that well in his career. But um, I, I wanted know. to ask. You, I don't know that I'll agree with that. You I want to ask you. Well, Casey's been getting a lot you. of crap about not being a strong driver but he's got what i think he's got two coca-cola 600 wins doesn't he he's got some yeah he's got some crown jewels he's got a uh, brickyard 400 win obviously that was last year but still it's a win in the brickyard 400 yep um yeah he's got some good wins in his career he's he's kind of won everywhere he's got a sonoma win uh, michigan and charlotte like you said um I mean, I just 2015, like... 2016, actually pretty much 2015 on has been where he, where he struggled the most. Yeah. Um, even 2014, he got a win in 2014, but only three top fives. Well, and here's, here's what I wanted to, I was looking at Kate. I'm looking at Casey's career numbers. He has two or excuse me, three top 10 points finishes in his 15 years. That's not, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, he never had a season where he racked up, you know, even 20 top tens. He just never was, he just never was that consistent, I guess. You know, he, he'd and have a good run, good run there, but he, he's got the six wins in 2006. Yep. That was his, that was his one year and where he was, <laughs> yep. It, well, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kurt Busch, just a little bit. Kurt obviously was a little more successful. Right. Um, almost won, you know, twice as many races, but, um, Kurt came in and it was two or three years in and all of a sudden he was a champion and Casey Kane had the same kind of thing happen where he came in, boom, six wins in his third se- third full season and then just never, never got it back. He had a great 2012, but that was it. That was it for Casey. Yeah. Just, he, I, I hate that he's going to leave with a whimper. He was so popular <laughs> with the fans for a while. What do you, what do you think? Hall of Fame talk eventually or no? I don't think he gets in. You don't think so? I don't think so. Well, it's no, hard. I don't it's really so. tough. He's got the Coke 600s, but he just never was. I don't know. I don't I, know. I man. think he's. I think he's. I think his his success is too far out. And I I agree. I think it's too much of a smattering of success. I mean, 18 wins in in, in 15 years is not anything to sneeze at. That's no slow. That's no slow. It's not like we're talking about Mark Martin here, right? Or even Dale Jr. Like those guys are Hall of Famers. And they never won championships. Right. Um, Mark Martin, maybe even similar, never won a championship or a Daytona 500. But right. Um, yeah, Casey's got a couple crown jewels. Maybe he squeaks in later down the road. Um, I tell you what, he's the greatest uh, truck series driver of all time. If you look at his numbers there. <laughs> right. Career finish, uh, career average finish of 1.2 in six races. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, five um, wins in six races. So. And one second place finishes. <laughs> one second place finishes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a hard time kind of, I think maybe down the line, maybe when Casey's, you know, gone, we can maybe assess his career a little bit more, but I just feel like it's, I just feel like it's a disappointment. I hate to, I hate this. I hate to use that word, but, um, you know, Casey came into the sport with so much, uh, I don't know. He he had so much promise. Ray Everham believed in him and yeah, it's a bummer. That's a bummer, but Casey's going on his own terms. So you can't, uh, you can't fault him for that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, 
and then uh, I was I had somewhere I was going to go with the Casey Kane discussion. I don't remember where it was. So let's talk about a little bit about Elliot Sadler, another one with, that you kind of can go. I kind of feel like in the disappointment category, I just feel like Elliot never quite did what he was capable of doing. He always just seemed to be in just the wrong spot or just yeah. not good enough equipment. And he's had the opportunities and some good equipment here the last couple of years of his career in the Xfinity series and still just not been able to quite do what he should be able to do in that equipment. It's kind of been yeah. the story of his career to me. Yeah. He's so close <laughs> to winning championships the last couple of years for junior motorsports. I mean, he's made the final four the last three years. Um, or excuse me, the last two years, he's finished second the last two years. Um, but yeah, you know, he was in the cup series. He's pretty popular there for a while. Had some good rides, had it, had a good run, uh, had a good run in 2004. That was kind of his best year um, when, when he was with Robert Yates. Robert Yates was still kind of a power, but not really. They were starting to begin the downslide. Right. Um, a couple years removed from Dale Jarrett winning championships. but He ran for the uh, Wood Brothers. you got to like anybody that runs for the Wood Brothers, right? Yeah, but you got to win for him at right. Bristol. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, right, you like everybody who's run for the Wood Brothers, right? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. Um, Sadler's been on his lid quite a few times too. He had those two flips at Talladega. He barrel yeah. rolled uh, like what twelve times or something like that at Michigan and practice. Poking up, get the engine fly out. Yeah, he's had some good wrecks, that's for sure. He has had some good wrecks. The uh, the M and M's car took a couple of wild rides, like you said mm-hmm. at Talladega. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, either way, Elliot's a good guy. So, yeah, absolutely. So, and both of them will be missed in the sport for sure. Um, yeah, they're two good dudes. I yep. don't see Casey sticking around much. I think you're going to see him and in, in doing some dirt race and doing some sprint car stuff. And yeah, I think he's going to be hanging out team. a lot at, at the dirt tracks. Yeah. I can um, see him running. Uh, he said he's going to run like 40 races in, in his sprint car. I could. Casey's the guy I could see maybe going full-time outlaw if he wanted to. Yeah. I just don't know if he wants to. Elliot, I could see as somebody who – I could see him in a future role as some sort of NASCAR official. I don't know why. I just feel like I could see him working in NASCAR, but he yeah. does not live in, in, uh, in Charlotte. He lives in Virginia. He was talking about that on junior's podcast this week. And so, and doesn't have an intention. sounds like to live anywhere else. So, um, that might make that difficult. So who knows, who knows what Sadler, Sadler would do both of them in pretty good shape that, uh, I don't think they have too much to worry about. So. No, they've, they've, you know what though, that that's the thing that we should maybe mention is the, both of these guys were veteran, multiple year veterans. Like they are, they ground, they were grinding it out for nearly 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, I mean, that's, that's an accomplishment all itself that you made a living, um, for the majority of your, you know, the majority of your life as a, as a race car driver is pretty phenomenal for anybody. Right. Yeah. Elliot's first full-time season was in 1997 for the Xfinity series. Yep. He ran his first full season in the cup series in 1999. So, yep. And he ran full-time in cup through 2010 and then went back to the Xfinity series. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both guys were, uh, Gillette motorsports, I think at one point too, they were, they were mm-hmm. teammates Yep. and, uh, that dysfunctional yeah. <laughs> chapter of NASCAR history. Right. No kidding. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, another piece to the uh, rumor mill: Martin Truex Jr. not ruling oh, out switching. Oh, I can't switching, wait for this one. Not ruling out switching to other teams. Um, I don't know. I I'm really starting to feel like Truex is going to be on the move, and I think we're going to talk about a really ridiculous rumor in a second here. 
and I'm just going to call it a ridiculous rumor because there's no way it happens. <laughs> I, I, there is no way it happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, Truex, I think is going to be on the move and I expect to see him in the 41 car personally. That's yeah, I, I think, think that's where I think that's where we're headed. Well, and I texted you back when when Barney Visser a couple weeks ago he sent that press release out through Pocris that they they when what did he say they anticipate or they they will be racing in 2019. Right. And I sent you that text and I was like, this reeks of what's going on. Right. I mean, it just was coded in. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's the way I read it. And then, you know, sh- shortly thereafter, we've got a lot of Truex rumors coming out. And, uh, yeah, I think um, I think you are correct that this 41 car, I mean, who wouldn't want that ride? Right. Honestly, I mean, look at what Eric Almirola is even doing with, with what he's got now, right. too. I mean, you've got to want to be with that team. I think it's the best team in the sport right now. It's where you want to go. And you and I were texting while I was gone. Um and uh, my stance was, yeah, if you get Cole Pern to come with you, that's the big prize right there. Right. Because I think he's one of the best in the in the business. Um, I think Cole Pern is is just phenomenal in everything he's done with that '78 car. Even before Truex was there, um, he was making some stuff happen. So I think yeah, we see it, Truex in that 41 car, or we see him go to JGR, and we see some shuffle in there with co- combining with that uh, Levine Family Racing team. Those, that's my prediction of what actually happens here besides the goofiness we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, there's some goofiness out there. I was reading um, today, and this was not uh, not anything that I would take too seriously, um, but that Daniel Suarez could be on the move yeah. out of the 19. So, um, I mean, that's another possibility, I guess, if, if you wanted to go down that road too i don't right. know how you know what gibbs would want to do there but like you said if there's if we start shuffling these toyotas around um but that that 78 team if they want to keep this thing going they better get moving here soon because it's getting late so where does kurt go does he end up out uh, or is he go yeah somewhere? no i think kurt goes the one that's kind of my thought yeah, you think mcmurray that... goes to the goes to the xfinity series like the talk is i think yeah i think mcmurray might be done if if McMurray doesn't get a decent ride, I could see him probably retiring or maybe yep. maybe going Go to down the and run for expect- junior. Yeah, that could be a possibility if he still wants to run. Yeah, his name um, and I forget who else's name was thrown around for possibly going down in junior's team. The one the one that and you know the other one that's interesting that that could play into this mix is, you know, that the intent is for Christopher Bell to run another year in the Xfinity series, but if he keeps clicking off wins. And wins himself a championship this year. It's going to be tough to keep him down there another year. Yeah. Well, and if Levine uh, does make the switch to Toyota, that gives Joe Gibbs a nice little satellite that he can move him around into, like they did with Eric Jones, get him up there and right, and uh, get him in, get him some seat time. The one so, that I found really interesting that was really odd was <clears throat> there the talk of um, of Ryan Priest moving to Cup and running for. Uh, JT JTG JTG Doherty racing. Yeah, that was another thing I, I read. I think that's crazy. That. I don't I can't I mean I don't get me wrong, I think Ryan Priest is super talented, but he hasn't run Sorry. a full series in the Xfinity series yeah. yet. You're going to run him in Cup? Yeah, that's yeah. And if AJ Almendinger is going to be gone, which Bob Pockers was kind of talking that it might happen. Right. Um, I guess who do you replace him with, you know? Right. So, who's out, you know, who's the next best guy out there? You're not getting Christopher Bell. Right. <laughs> He's already He's he's locked down. So yeah. who do you you know if you want a young guy in there who do you go after? Right. 
unless you want to try to go after a veteran like McMurray, you know, if you wanted to go that route too. So there could be a couple options out there for you. McMurray's got the potential to to steal a big win somewhere, you know? Yep. Well, we're seeing the the musical chairs be placed. The music hasn't started playing yet, but but the chairs are out. I love this time of year. I love this stuff. Yeah, silly season's the best. That's what makes the that's what makes like the NFL and the NBA so fun too, is the trades and rumors and yep. and free agency. So yeah, this is our version of free agency, which we love. That's half the reason, James, that I, I want to do a podcast next week, is just because we don't know what's going to drop. Yeah. <laughs> Not to yeah, mention we've today. we've got two road courses this weekend in the Xfinity oh, yeah. Truck Series. We, that we can talk about next track, week, man. Yeah, awesome. Cool. There's awesome all kinds of stuff to talk about this weekend. So before yep. we get to this weekend, let's talk about this ridiculous rumor. <laughs> yeah, you and I had talked. You and I had talked about this a little bit this week too. You're already. not buying into this at all, are you? Do you do you believe? I, I think any there's of this? something to it. I don't think. Um, I think there's something to it. I do. I think there's something to it. I don't know how much I believe it yet, but I think I think maybe there's some toes in the water here. All right. So I have the Reddit polls pulled up here, and I'm going to read through some of this. So here's the deal. First of all, this is Borchert97 on Reddit posted this. Um, apparently he's already commented in a couple spots, blah, blah, blah. He has a source, but won't name the source because it's someone in the garage area. Well, everybody's got a source. So here's the talk. KBM moving to the cup series, Kyle Bush, Kurt Bush, first two cars, furniture row loses its technical alliance with JGR. I'm reading most of this word for word. KBM essentially replaces furniture row in that role. More funding based in North Carolina, larger roster, eventually becoming a four-car team like Stuart Haas. So here's the points to support his claim. He says Kyle is technically in a contract year, and while that doesn't mean much because Gibbs would no doubt re-sign him, it does mean it's easier for Gibbs to release him. Kurt is most likely out of a ride, but does have sponsorship following him with Monster, assume, I guess. Um, let's see. Monster was with them before as, you know, when they were with KBM, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Furniture Row and Truex's fates hanging in the edge. JGR could easily ditch Furniture Row, which I think is going to happen. Um, grab KBM, which I don't think is going to happen, be their new Technical Alliance team. Uh, they have Kyle driving the 54, Kurt driving the 97, which is the number he run, won the championship with. Um, Furniture Row could be bought out by KBM, possibly, for the charter. And then BK Racing was mentioned as up to grabs for their charters. However, BK Racing was purchased by Front Row Motorsports this week um so that ruins that theory but according to this reddit thread it does not hurt kyle's chances at starting kbm and cup that much plenty of teams have spare charters rcr has a third rpm has a second um kyle most likely reopen an xfinity series team and probably run one car with several drivers and so yeah so basically here's the rundown kyle out of the 18 into the 54 kurt out of the 41 into the 97 cole custer moves to cup in the 41 possibly Ugh. renumbered double zero. I think that's a huge mistake. Truex <laughs> out of the 78 moves to the 18 car or a third KBM car. Christopher Bell, either one more year in Xfinity or he goes to KBM in a third car. Um, yeah. I just love that you completely destroyed Cole Custer <laughs> in such a is. No, I don't have anything I'm against Cole laugh- Custer. The I'm guy's, still laughing about it. He's a good driver, uh, but just I just have not seen anything from Cole that says, let me put him in a cup car. Yeah, that's the correct. He just I and I and you know I guess you know you, the, the way same, he said it was the same so he said, good. Well, because I'm just irritated with this rumor because I think it's stupid. <laughs> but here's, well, here's where we're going to disagree. But go ahead. Here's the thing with the rumor. All right, so either this rumor is complete BS, which mm-hmm. I believe it is, 
or Kyle has lost his friggin' mind because <sighs> they Kyle tried this in the Xfinity series. He he started his own. You know, he had KBM. He moved up to the Xfinity series. They struggled. Kyle never. This Kyle Bush. Kyle Busch, the winningest driver in Xfinity, didn't win a race in his own Xfinity car. They I'm struggled. Going to, Hold on. I'm, gonna I'm not done. You stop. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, the, and don't get me wrong. His truck series has been a lot more successful since then. He's definitely built things up there. They're, it's a completely different organization than what it was back then. But a successful truck team does not make a successful Xfinity team. It does not make a successful cup team. If you need to look anywhere, look for look at GMS Racing, which is has probably the championship-winning driver in the Truck Series, has a team that could win any weekend in the tr- in the Truck Series. They don't have that in the Xfinity Series, and they're still struggling to find a way to Cup right now. So I just, I just, I, I think it's a losing proposition. I don't think you're going to argue that the same thing could be said for Tony Stewart when he started SHR, but Kyle doesn't have Gene Haas. And that's where I think that's where the difference is. So go ahead, James, go ahead and make your wrong argument. I'd like to push. Yeah. I got to push back <laughs> on a few things. Um, first of all, I don't think the Xfinity thing was that big of a failure that as he you didn't do. win I a think race, man, they won one race with Kurt. Yeah. Kurt but won. Kyle didn't win. Kyle didn't win, but the best they, driver they, in Xfinity series history. They pulled the plug fairly quickly. They did that. That is true. They, they won a race. They finished in the top 10, over half of the races they ran, you know, as a one-car organization the entire time. I will say, too, they did course, not have the support of Joe Gibbs because Joe did not like that. Yeah, and he ran – yeah, and Kyle's team is competing against when he when Parker Kligman raced the full season. Right. You know, Parker's racing to try to beat Kyle Busch every freaking week, so, of course, he's not going to win. So I think that, that team was not that, not that bad. They did pretty darn good for, you know, the – two full seasons they had but anyway that's neither here nor there you can look the numbers up on racing reference if you want to um to push back on that this is a ludicrous idea i don't think it's that ludicrous but and and like you and like you hinted at right there that i i cite tony stewart as the example here and and you're right tony doesn't have gene haas or tony has gene haas and kyle kyle wouldn't have a gene haas which is fine um but gene haas had Gene Haas and did absolutely nothing. Gene Haas didn't have a Tony Stewart. Right. Well, I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, don't. I certainly <clears throat> do not give the credit to that team only to Gene Haas. Tony Stewart no, is a gigantic part of why that team. Correct. And Rick Hendrick was a gigantic part of that team but as well. Tony's that a team. businessman. I don't. I guess. I guess Kyle is. He's Kyle, got his own team, but yeah. I don't know, man. But think about Tony Stewart when he went to to Haas. Okay, he had been running not even NASCAR teams, but he was running dirt teams. So Tony had the infrastructure of dirt, not anything NASCAR, but he had the business sense, like you said. Kyle Busch, on the other hand, has been running NASCAR organizations for, what, a decade at this point? So he's got the NASCAR infrastructure. He's He's got probably people that know how to do this thing and if you're going to partner with anybody in the cup series just like tony stewart tony partnered with hendrick at the peak of hendrick kyle could jump in and partner with gibbs at the peak of gibbs and hit the ground running and it may be a struggle for a year or two 
But if Kyle's going to set up, set himself up for the future, is this not the best way for Kyle to, to plan for his forties, fifties and sixties and way down the road? I think that we need the next generation of owners in this sport because we're, we don't have anybody really to replace a Rick Hendrick, a Joe Gibbs or a Roger Penske or a Jack Roush for that matter. The next guy in line is Tony Stewart. Why can't we have Kyle Busch right alongside Tony Stewart as our next generation of car owner? Right. I think it makes I think it makes pretty good sense for Kyle if he's going to do it. Yeah, he sacrifices maybe a year or two of um, competitiveness, but long term, if he can get this thing built up and and going, I think it's an awesome idea for Kyle to Let, jump in right now. Let's play a game of how many successful driver owners have we had. <laughs> Two. Let's play that game. <laughs> yeah. It's two. Because, I mean, Kawiki did it, but, you know, we don't know what that would have all ended up being. Tony's done it. Daryl Waltrip struggled. Richard yep. Petty struggled with his own team. Yep. I mean, the king struggled with his own team. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Daryl said a million times it was the biggest mistake he ever made. Yeah. Like, even Dale Earnhardt I'm... wasn't successful as a team owner. Yes, that's correct. I mean, he had he had competitive cars, but he didn't win a bunch. He won his first. What, no, it, Park got a race before that, right? Yeah, Park was running for a while, and then Junior came along, and then Michael. Right, Walter. so they had some, they did have a couple have a few wins before Michael won. Yeah, they had some wins, killed, yep. but still, it still was not a major success, and never became a major success as a result of his death, possibly. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a different thing. <clears throat> yeah, we won't mention any but, names. We don't want to get sued. Yeah, but yeah, uh, <laughs> T E. Hey, now I gotta I can, leave it out. <laughs> no, I can. Yeah, I know. I can push back just a little bit on this too. How many successful owners have we had since Tony Stewart showed us the new model? Right. None, because nobody else has tried it. Yeah, it's a completely different boat. I, I could, I mean, I, I see your side. I still think it's insane. I, I just don't see it happening. I'll tell you what, as somebody who covers the sport right now, and as somebody who has a podcast about the sport, oh man, if it happens, it'd be freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. And are, now, are you looking at this, Eric, as... Um, I guess I'm trying to get your, your viewpoint on this. Are you looking at it kind of like kind of in the fan perspective where why would Kyle Bush do this and sacrifice his prime? No, Is that I, don't kind of really, where you're coming from? I don't really feel that way. You think it's going to fail as a I business? I just think it's going to fail. I just think, I don't know. You do not have faith in Kyle Bush, the businessman. It's so hard because like I said, it's been so successful. I guess it just, I'm just really skeptical. I guess it's not that I don't believe that he could do it. It's not that I think it's going to fail. It's that I'm so skeptical. It's such a, when you have it as good as Kyle has it right now. Yeah. I agree with you to there. Take that leap. Now, if he does it, I, I applaud him, man. I wish I could mm -hmm. take a leap like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't, it just, it just seems so out there and so off the wall that, yeah, I don't know. But, but if, if somebody's going to, yeah, somebody's yeah, going to exactly. do it, Kyle. Yep. If and, somebody's going to do it, it's Kyle Busch. And if, and if anybody could be successful in the whole garage, it's Kyle Busch. Yeah. I think he could do it. I mean, it's just, it's so, he just strikes me as so different than someone like Tony. Tony has these partnerships with all these different sponsors and things sure. like that. Yep. Yep. I mean, I don't see Kyle in that same aspect. Yep. Kyle really but, doesn't have that, that sponsorship backing. And you're, if they can get Monster to sign on with it, Monster's leaving NASCAR. 
as, yeah. the, as the chief sponsor that, you know, they could come in and, and put that type of funding into this team. It might not matter. So yeah, Toyota has shown that Kyle Busch is their boy right. and they're going to stick with him. Well, and I mean, I mean Toyota Kyle fun. is fully responsible for half the Xfinity field right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's, yeah. he's grown these, these young drivers. He has this talent and not yep. that everybody that gets in a KBM car is great, but he has this ability to pick this young talent out. And I think the way he does it is he goes and races these guys. And, and when that's they a, beat him, he, he picks them up, you yeah. know? That's a great point. And if you're Toyota, and Toyota's shown a great investment in, in our sport, and if, they, if Toyota could have another four-car pipeline down the line right. for their talent, I mean, you'd think Toyota's not licking their chops that, like, hey, we could have Gibbs and Kyle Busch. Yeah, but can and they not, have and Gibbs not, and Kyle Busch? Can you really have two I, top teams? I, I, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I, you know, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, but again, we we have to transition at some point from the old boys into our next generation. You're right. I mean, what what is going to happen to what's going to happen to Jack Roush's team when? Yeah, we're not going to have. Yeah, when Jack I mean, Roush steps away, what's going to happen to Hendrick's team when he steps away? You know, yeah, these guys are going to be here forever, and they're either going to transfer ownership of these teams to somebody. I mean, yep. obviously, we know what was going to happen with with Hendrick, but but Ricky's not around anymore. So yeah, Gibbs and JD was set to take over for Joe. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, he has you know his tragic illness. Yeah, um, and he can't do it, so Joe's back in. Yeah, it's, it's like, and then that's like I said, Tony Stewart's the last man. You know, he's the next man up with right. all these guys. Um, and and that's why I think Tony made a switch to Ford is to to he he knew he had to become independent at some point and. You know, if, if Kyle gets to that point, maybe down the road, you know, I could see Kyle doing something similar. He has to make it his own. So if this happens, it's the biggest silly season ever in the history of NASCAR. It's pretty it's it's up there with junior. It's right there. I think there. it's bigger yep. than junior. I think this is it would gigantic be if it happens, especially with how many pieces are in here. Yeah. You know, especially if Truex becomes a part of it. Yeah. I mean, you're well, talking when, two of the big three moving. That's yep. huge. Yeah, and when Tony Stewart left Gibbs, I remember, um, I remember saying exactly what you said, because I, you know, as yeah. a, as a, as big of a Stewart fan as I was, I was like, what an idiot! He's yeah, leaving Joe he Gibbs race. He's leaving Joe Gibbs. I racing. thought he was nuts, but at the same time, I, it didn't surprise me because Tony, I felt I thought like he was fail so fast. I felt like he wasn't. He was so upset with the move to Toyota. Yes, he was. That yep. they had a lot to do with it because he was a Chevy guy. Of course, now he's got Fords, but yep. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. It's it'll yeah, be interesting. I was, I, I, I I'm on board to see what happens, but I don't predict. Yeah. Seeing I feel like I can get you to come around on this eventually. You've won me over some, <laughs> some. I still don't think it's going to happen. I think it's no. I if I anything, it's too much craziness. A... I feel like something like this coming out of Reddit. I just the, tell you the, what the fact that Reddit. so I know, but the fact that even the big media people aren't really touching it that much. I don't know. Maybe Kyle, and that's maybe it. Maybe Kyle's been dipping his toe in, and this is the 2020 move or something. See, I could see that much more. I just feel like it's so quick for it to happen. It's not going to happen this year. I don't think it'll happen this year. I yeah. think, if anything, it's 2019 or 2020. Hmm. Well, 20. I mean, excuse me, 2020 or 2021. Jeez, I, I could, I could see that. I could see a 2020, yeah. 2021 decision. That I'd be more, <laughs> I'd be more on board with as a possibility. I just feel like to hear this now. And have it announced for next season. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. I don't think it's going to happen this year. But I there's think there's no too way. many part, too many moving parts, 
to make it happen a year or two down the road because you got guys that are too uncertain in between. I mean, does Kyle yeah. Kyle get to you know stick around for one year to make it? I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I guess if he's got a partnership with JGR, maybe maybe JGR yep. does the thing that Hendrick did with Daryl and says, "I understand. You got to do what you got to do," and gives yep. him the support. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna take some help because, yeah. like I said, with Tony Stewart, it, you know, Rick Hendrick did everything he could to help that team be successful. What about it's gonna be just like when Junior switched numbers? What about all those? those three fans that Kyle has that got the 18s <laughs> tattooed on their shoulder, man, they're going to have to scratch it out and put a 54 on there. The infamous rowdy nation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I can't hate on Kyle. All right, let's end this on a high note. Um, or I don't know. High note, whatever. Let's, <laughs> let's do a, do we care James? Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk about how Dale jr is doing in the booth. Um, with NBC and uh, there's a poll out there on ESPN. I voted in this poll. Yeah, so did I. There's a poll out there to determine uh, what the fans think. So I guess to start out with James, what do you think? And then we'll talk about what the fans think. What do you What do you think? How's How's Junior doing? Um. And do well, you care? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do care because um, first off, yeah, I love Dale Junior in the booth. We need him. We need him around as a broadcaster. Yeah. Um. As far as how he's doing, he's fine. Um. I don't think he's uh, like this poll says. Is he the next John Madden or Dick Vitale? Well, I don't. The don't, options don't. in this Literally. poll suck. Yeah, they're they're pretty. Bad. <laughs> um, they're pretty bad. I don't think he's. Uh, he, it's early. Let let me be clear. It's early. <laughs> um, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's bad. I think he's somewhere in the middle, and eh, maybe someday he's got some potential. He gets really excited, which is which, which is a nice change of pace. Um, and we've talked about him a couple of times, but right. I mean, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine for me. I, I don't get, I'm not overly excited about it, but I think he's doing fine. Here's my take on it. I don't, I don't think he's that great, but I think that's why he's great. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? I, oh, I, I, I totally, think the fact yeah. that he's not polished in the booth, he's you or I sitting in the booth calling a race and 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 reacting to what's happening that stuff he's seeing for the first time because he didn't see it from that view i think he's he's got the ability to connect with the fans in a way that nobody else can if you listen to the podcast he gets tell so much behind the scenes stuff it's awesome gives yeah. you such a view i think you know there was my 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 best buddy my best twitter buddy nick bromberg was complaining about the uh Three. the fox <laughs> broadcast on uh, uh for the truck series race and there were a lot of, there were a lot of complaints about the truck series and i can't i can't give nick a hard time for complaining about it because the i will credit him the the truck series broadcast sucked on fox um <laughs> it, it was horrible but i do like to say good things about the sport too but uh there, that was four by the way if you missed that but uh <laughs> um it just feels like Fox is phoning it in. And I don't know if it's junior that's making an, making NBC so much better. If it's Fox not caring, especially with their truck broadcasts that is making NBC so much better. Um, I just feel like, you know, in previous years, NBC's really been terrible with the commercials and I don't feel like they're doing that this year. I don't yeah, know I, if they just found a mix and a way to do the side by side enough to where it's not annoying. Right. But I don't feel like we're going to commercial constantly. We'll see when we get to Talladega and we, we go to commercial every four laps. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I just everything that that I I mean, even and I don't want I don't I don't want to badmouth these guys because I know how tough it is to do their Our jobs job. and stuff. Yep. But, Our job. you know, Rick Allen can 
I think Rick Allen is one of the best announcers and one of the worst. It just depends on how he's doing on that particular day. Contact. Yeah. But I think even, I don't know. He hasn't really gotten on my nerves this year. Now you put Lee Diffie in there. I would be totally on board with that. Ah, I, yeah. I love it. Was, it was great listening to Lee and the Xfinity or the, the IndyCar. Oh, we need to talk about IndyCar yet. We'll get to that, man. We're going to be long, man. It's okay. That's all right. So, Come back from vacation. Yeah. We only did, I only did a half hour last week, so I can, I can make up the extra half hour tonight. Um, but, uh, I don't know. There's just something about the NBC broadcast. I don't think it's all junior. I think junior helps it. There's just something better about it. And I don't want to go back to Fox right now. And, yeah. and that's tough for me to say, because I really like Jeff Gordon. I really like Mike joy and I really like Mike, Mike joy and Jeff Gordon. <laughs> yeah. And Larry Mack Larry and Larry Mack. Mack yeah. Larry Mack and Mike joy and Jeff Gordon and Larry Mack. And that's yeah. it. Fox has got Fox. the talent. Um, they just don't have it what NBC brings is professional chops. Yeah. And I think what NBC did was they looked around and they saw, um, the, the great example with Dale jr. The, the great side by side with him is Tony Romo. Yeah. Um, coming straight off the field and into a big time booth. And if you watch a football game that Tony Romo is broadcasting, it's the same thing, right? He's polished, but man, is he entertaining as heck to listen to. I think NBC's so we, done a great job of experimenting with different things too. Yes, they have. Yep. Um, one of the questions in this poll, we'll uh, we'll run through them real quick. But one of the questions is whether where Junior should be, whether he should be in the main booth and the side booth, whatever. Um, I like Junior better in the main booth, but they try something different almost every week. It keeps everybody on their toes. They talked about the deal with Rick Allen. Junior talked about it when they had the the all the all analyst uh, race at New Hampshire where. Um, Rick Allen was down in the pits and they said that was more so about getting Rick down there and letting him experience what the pit reporters experience and see what they're dealing with. And I like that I, from, you know, originally I thought the idea was kind of silly, but to, to see it from that point of view, it makes sense. Okay. That's great. They want these guys to all have an idea of what each spot does. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. And I think that's been part of it too, is we have not, we've not really seen the same broadcast two weeks in a row. It's almost like a different broadcast every week. So, yep, it's been good. So let's run they through the, the, the poll questions here. First question is how would you rate Dale jr. As a broadcaster? The options are a future John Madden slash Dick Vitale, um, in the making good, but nothing special, like a one win season and park him. He's just in the way James, which, which one did you pick? That? I, I went right down the middle. Good. Yeah. I went, I went the top one just cause I wanted to give him the most credit. Cause I think, I think he's, I think he's great in what he's doing, but I, I don't agree with the option. That's 66% of the people said the, the John man, Dick, Dick Vitale. Um, so, uh, are you watching races just to hear Dale jr? Uh, option one, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> and option two, he keeps me tuned in when I start to lose interest. Uh, number three, I turn off the TV sound and put on the radio broadcast. Where'd you go, James? You went middle, didn't you? I went, yeah, it went down the middle. He keeps me tuned in. I'm not going to give him a Dale. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I went in the middle also. And that's where 54% of the people went for the, for the top spot. Uh, how would you rank slide job euphoria? Um, option one. Awesome. I want a t-shirt option two. I didn't know the term until he said it, but it's cool. Option three, meh. He didn't develop the term. What you went, you went three, didn't you? I did. He did yeah. not develop the term. I think you should play the sounder right now though. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. no. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also went number three. Uh, only 28% of the people said that uh, 49% said, awesome. I want a t-shirt. Uh, where's the best place for Dale Jr. during the telecast? Uh, option one, the main booth. Option two, the secondary booth with Steve, with Steve Letarte or Jeff Burton. Option three, the pit, pit box with Steve with Letarte. And option four, at a remote location around the track. James, what did you, you go with? 
NBC's main booth. Yeah, same here. So did 54% yep. of the people. Hopefully NBC thinks listens to that. But it's 20,000 votes on all these polls, by the way. <laughs> it's an ESPN awesome. poll, so I bet NBC's not going to listen to much of it. No. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see him back just in the main booth. But Did you see Dale, uh, when this poll was posted, Dale tweeted at Bob Pockers. It was a, a, a GIF or a GIF, whatever we're calling it, of Hank Hill saying, damn it, Bobby. No. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that Junior has this relationship with all the media members and stuff too, and likes to give them a hard time and stuff. Yeah, that's good. I love his relationship with with Gluck, and that's that's great. Um, speaking of Jeff, that's what I wanted to mention earlier. Okay, going back to Case Kane, if you don't listen to Jeff Gluck's podcast, listen to his uh, "How I Got Here" with who the heck is it? James, I can't think of her name right now. Oh yeah, the sprint um, car driver. I'm gonna pull it up right now. I can look. Yep, I can look it up too. I don't have it on me. Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. Oh man, I'm uh, McKenna McKenna Hasse. Hayes. I don't yes, know how you say her last it. name. Um, anyway, she's she talks about how she basically went from not knowing anything about racing and a chance meeting with uh, with Casey Kane that got her to become a sprint car driver. It's excellent. Jeff tweeted out that it was gonna be the best one he's ever done. Um, I kind of thought that there's been some really good ones in the past, so I wasn't sure yeah, it was going to compete. Good ones. Yeah. This was the best one. And if if you don't listen to Gluck's podcast, at least just listen to how his How I Got Here's because they're great. I love the 12 questions, too. I, I mean, I, I pretty much like Jeff's podcast, period. So. Yeah, Jeff's podcast is where I get my majority of Jeff. Yeah, that's um, – yeah, he he's them. the one racing podcast I listen to all of them every week as much as I can. So, And if I, yep. if I fall behind, I catch up. So. Um, check him out for sure. So let's hit on. Let's talk about the uh, the IndyCar race real quick, James. Uh, heck of a crash at the uh, at the IndyCar race at Pocono, heading to turn one. First of all, they have a wreck on the first lap before they even take the green flag. They get back to green, and on the first lap back to green, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, Robert Wickens get together. Wickens climbs up on top of Hunter Ray's car, hits the fence, goes through pretty much through the fence, spins it around. Bunch of injuries to Wickens. Thank goodness he's alive. Um, cause it was pretty scary. I, I didn't watch it live, but when I did watch it, yeah. I didn't know what had happened Jeez. yet. And so I was, I mean, it was one of those broadcasts you watch and you could tell everybody was really concerned and I don't know. It was, it was scary. Um, what do you, what do what do you say? What's your take on it? I guess anything. Uh, this is the scariest wreck I've seen in, in quite a while. I'll say that it was, it was um, Dan Weldon esque. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, that one was bad. Dan Weldon's was probably the worst. Uh, Pocono, um, gosh, who was the driver who passed away at Pocono a couple years ago? Remember when? Oh uh, yeah, God, I don't want to say a name because uh, I'm gonna say the wrong name. Yeah. But anyway, hit, but Pocono seems pods. to be. Yeah. <clears throat> Pocono is just a crazy track. Yeah. Period. It's just the angle of the turns. Yep. Everything about that track just lends itself to weird accidents. So much speed and yeah. it tightens up real quick. Yeah, and that's what happened there. And it, try um, and go side by gosh, side yeah. on the first green flag lap in the tunnel turns, just nuts. Yeah, but thank yeah. goodness Robert Rickens is uh, okay. I mean, yeah, sounds okay. like he's gonna be okay. He's got a lot of work to do, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yep. let's you know, here's here's something you know we've made a ton of safety advancements in our sport. The safer barriers, the the you know any car they've got the the different pods and stuff that they call it. I forget what the heck they called it during the broadcast, but there, there's a certain name for the pod that is designed to stay together. Unlike the way they used to break apart and legs would be exposed and things like that. Um, yeah. You know, we've made all these advancements to the cars, the tracks, the walls, and you know, we've made advancements to the fences and the fact that they they're stronger and they keep cars in the track, but they just 
disintegrate cars. And I don't know what the answer is. I hope that it's something as simple. I mean, if you really get down to it and you think about it, the safer barrier is like the most simple thing. Like we've been, we were putting styrofoam on walls for years. Just nobody thought to put a piece of metal in front of the styrofoam and put the the styrofoam between the metal and the wall. Like it's such a simple design that works so well. I just hope that there's a solution like that for fences that is just as easy. And we all go, Oh, duh. Why didn't we do that before? But fences are scary, man. The cars get in them and they just don't, it just, it's never good. Yeah, nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I, no, I mean, I just don't have an answer. I, you know, you, you've said, I mean, you said, it. I don't have an answer for, you know, um, I, it's just, we don't see it very often anymore, I guess is, right. is where I'm coming from. The other, um, and so when you do, it's more shocking. Right. The other thing I want to say know? to IndyCar is, um, I don't watch IndyCar a ton. I, I do watch several races a year and, and I went to my first one this year and, but I'm not like diehard IndyCar like I am with NASCAR. But IndyCar needs to take some advice from Formula One this year. I know that it's not cool to have a halo. It's an open air con- cockpit, blah, 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 blah. And they were looking at windshields for the IndyCars, and they haven't done that. And I don't know where, the, where that ended up. But it's time to put a freaking roll bar on the top of these things. We do not. If Wickens would have went in head first and hit that pole with his head, it would have been it. And not only that, but yep. if you watch the video of his car flying over Ryan Hunter Ray's, it takes the camera off of Ryan Hunter Ray's car. If it was a foot lower, it would have hit Ryan Hunter Ray right in the head. It is time for IndyCar to do a little bit more to protect these drivers. And if the drivers don't like it, tough. Period. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, no, we, we don't need I mean, to. We don't, uh, as a yep. fan of any sport, it's not good to be talking about somebody killed in another, in another, you know, in another series. Um, it, it sucks every time it happens in a sprint car and, and it sucks any time it happens anywhere. And we just, we need these guys to be safe as much as possible. And if it means a little bit reduced yep. visibility because you can't see through the center of your windshield tough, it, it man up, learn how to yep. drive with it and, and put a halo so, on the thing. Exactly. So there, my yep. soapbox was for I... IndyCar this week. <laughs> That's good. We had a couple soapboxes this yeah. week, which was great couple i always enjoy those anything else james yes. i mean we're we're an hour and a half into this almost uh, anything oh, else gosh yeah i don't think we can go any longer can we i don't think so i'm sure there's probably something we forgot my wife's probably going um, is he done yet yeah <laughs> i saw jeff burton uh, put a story out that said more short tracks aren't the answer so hmm. if anybody wants to go read that interesting i haven't read it yet but i saw the tweet so i'm already mad at jeff burton <laughs> so I got that going. On. I saw something pop up that was interesting me did. too. Um, oh, I don't know what it was. Oh, the dirt track. You're putting the dirt track in at Indy. It's getting close. They got fences yep. up and walls. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> All right, James. If they want to that. find you during the week uh, on Twitter, how can they find you? At James Cush on Twitter. If you want to follow me and see who I'm arguing with in the NASCAR community this week, you can follow me at T Super Speedway on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesuperspeedway. Uh, you can find our website at www.thesuperspeedway.com. You'll find the podcast there, show notes, uh, links about all the stuff we talked about today is in there, and uh, and all kinds of coverage and stuff from a few races this year, most recently Michigan uh, a couple weeks ago for the Cup Series and the Truck Series. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We'd love it if you become a patron and help support what we're doing. Uh, visit patreon.com slash the super speedway any closing thoughts james before we head on out of here 
No, I'm, uh, you know, I was well rested coming in and it's gone. Yeah. So I'm, I'm back and I'm, <laughs> I'm back in the grind after this one. I think Skype's the same way. Cause I think there's a really big delay between us right now. It's oh, very good. Yeah. Well, I think it's had enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. So with that note, uh, no cup race this weekend. Uh, we go to Darlington next weekend for the, one of the greatest races of the year with throwback schemes and all that stuff. But this weekend we got uh, road course racing in both uh, Xfinity and trucks. So check those out. We'll be back next week to talk about those and talk about whatever other news breaks. Hopefully we get some, some shoes dropping as far as uh, the silly season, but we'll be here to talk about it until then. Let's go racing. (laughs) 